try this. There we go. Good morning. Starting to worry. <laughs> yeah, we had a, had a good run. I was like, uh-oh, here they come again. Grab a bunch of stuff here. First of all, great to see everybody out today. Great to see the family, the family of God, as we gather together to worship Him in spirit and truth and sing praise and glory and honor to His name. And uh, we are family. We are all family. And uh, part of that, we, we got these announcements. We got the Berean chapters. Today is a praise and pantry Sunday. Uh, we're going to start having those, Lord willing. Um, Gleaners has said that uh, if you want to be a part of, of their service, that they want you to do two pantries. They said that one's not enough if people's hungry and that they want to try to help uh, carry over through the month. So um, what, what we decided to do and to start this week, we were able to pick up on Friday and we're going to try to start doing it around the first Sunday. But last week was the holiday and, and we was gone and they weren't there to deliver. So uh, we're going to try to have it on a Sunday afternoon, uh, the first Sunday or so of the month and have it a praise and pantry Sunday. And hopefully that will also, as we invite folks and tell them, it'll, it'll have them to come in and get the bread of life as they get their physical life and use it as a way of evangelism for our community and for those that need it. So that's why there's a pantry in the back. So after services today, uh, go back there and get you something. We got a lot of stuff and it's good stuff. So, um, so get you some things if you need it. If, if you don't need it, but you know somebody that does, get it for them. Okay, because that's what it's for. And then you can use that as your evangelism to say, hey, we're going to have it every first Sunday or so. And I'll keep you informed and love to have you to come so that you can get it. But uh, on our bulletin, it, it talks about the, the secret sisters and uh, those of you who are involved with that to uh, uh, lift them up in prayer and send a card and tell them you're thinking about them. And uh, and that's that's a good thing to do, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul, boy, he was zealous at one time when he was known as Saul of Tarsus. And uh, he was going around attacking Christians for their faith. And uh, when the Lord knocked him off his horse and uh, blinded him and told him to go in and it'll be t told you what you're going to do. And he became a Christian. Of course, all of those that he has been persecuting, the families back at Jerusalem and people being uh, put to death, they didn't take too kindly at first this guy's it's a setup he's going to come and and then he's going to capture us and it took Barnabas he had a different name but they named him Barnabas because that means son of exhortation and he reached out and he took the apostle Paul by the hand and brought him and said you can trust this man now he's he's been converted he's a he's a new creature in Christ and so that is a part of this. The church needs exhorters. It kind of leads into what I'm going to be talking about this week and next week on us as the body of Christ and as the church and as a family. We need to be busy about the Lord's work and helping each other and doing things and doing the Lord's work in the community. And this is a part of it. The, the body of Christ needs exhorters. 
They need people who are friendly, people who can reach out in that time of need and help someone, who can say, oh, I think that they would like to come to Christ, but they're a little shy and don't know how to do it, so I'm going to make friends with them, and I'm going to explain, and I'm going to, I'm going to sit with them so that they're not by themselves. We need exhortation, but send your secret sisters a list, and somebody's been doing that. Somebody's been reading my mind and uh, kind of confirming uh, what this lesson is going to be about the next two weeks because on my pulpit was thank you for all you do and it has a scripture here of rejoice always and pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus and um, there's one of these on the board back there the sound booth and there was one in the closet for those who clean the building and there was one on the back table so whoever did that Thank you. Thank you for confirming the message that we need to hear. And thank you for also being a part of exhortation, whoever that was. And, and uh, God bless you for that. A couple of other announcements. We have Wednesday night Bible classes are going to begin a week from this Wednesday. So on the 18th, we're going to start back with the Wednesday night class being Genesis chapter 4. And I'm going to start promoting this right now because I'm going to tempt you to be here, okay? Because uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, hopefully share something with you that you've never heard before. Um, but we're going to be talking about Cain and Abel and about how uh, Cain rose up against his brother. So with that, I'm going, to, I'm going to share at the end of that something very special that you might not have heard about before. So I'll... Uh, I'll whet your appetite and look forward to that in about 10 days. Uh, we mentioned the pantry. Uh, next week, uh, a meeting after services for all those interested in teaching and serving and doing some things uh, and, and being about with uh, taking care of our kids and our youth. So uh, right after services next Sunday, we'll do that. Uh, the GMAU Karate, we're not going to hold that here this year. It's going to be at Zion uh, Baptist uh, out towards eminence but we can all go out there uh, the same teachers are going to be there uh, Caleb and Josh and Ian that's where they're going to be so uh, anyone who wants to go and and be a part of that uh, come on we'll we'll go and we'll go do it and and share together with that uh, Kairos starts into this month we need prayer chains signed we need um, the recipes and the cookies to start getting ready to come in for whenever that happens and posters and anything that you want to do to help uh, Ron and Johnny out as they go in and they do that and also that Sunday at the end of this month um, you can actually go in and watch the closing ceremony in the prison in the chapel as the men graduate through that and it's an ex quite an experience they don't know you're going to be there Word may have got around enough now that some of them might expect it, but some of them don't, and they come walking in thinking they're going back to their dorm, and they lead them to the chapel, and there's about 100 people or so clapping and singing. The saints come marching in as they bring them in, and it just folds them up right there like a tent. So uh, if you want to do that, there'll be a sign-up sheet for that as well. And uh, I want to mention that uh, your prayers again are really helpful there's people who have been we've been praying for and they've been uh, doing very well we're still praying for Mike Roman 
Uh, he's, he's still battling this surgery, and uh, so please keep Mike in your prayers. Gerald, we put it on the page on a Thursday night, I think it was, that he was going to, maybe it was, no, it was early in the week, like Tuesday or Wednesday, but that he was going to have surgery on his back. All of you was praying for him. I've talked to him twice this week. He came home Friday afternoon. He told me last night he hasn't felt this good in years. And so in 10 days when they take all the staples out, he's hoping to be able to be back at worship and back here with us. And he can't wait. But your prayers are, are coveted by these folks as, uh, as they are healing. So everyone that's on our list, and, and please sign up on the Facebook page because we communicate those things there through the week. But prayer warriors, that's another service that you do as a part of the body of Christ that we're going to be talking about today. So as we uh, get ready for our, our lesson this morning, if you want to bow in a word of prayer before we open up the word of God and uh, let you say your prayer. And another thing is, it's great to be back with you this week. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, last week, I'm sure Dave done a great job. He's a wonderful man. And um, uh, it, was, it was good that he could fill in. And went and visited my dad at the Ark Encounter down in Kentucky and saw Noah's Ark and the, the replica of that that they've made. And it's wonderful. And I'm going to share some of that on Wednesday nights with you with slides and things because we'll be getting into chapter 6 really soon. So uh, go ahead and we'll, we'll say our prayer to prepare our hearts and minds and then we'll get into the word. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy great and holy name. And as we bow before you as your servants, Father, as, as your servants, your followers, your people, we, we ask that your Holy Spirit be within us and, and to fill us. We ask for our sins to be forgiven and all of our iniquities to be washed away. We pray, Father, that our minds will now be ready to feast upon the bread of life that is alive and powerful. And Father, we pray that as we do, that we'll be nourished, that we'll be strengthened, that if it's in an in a area of need of ours, we pray that it will fill it and that we will make that proper decision. If, if it's not, but we know of others that, hey, I need to reach out to these folks, then may it motivate us to do that. But may it motivate us to be better servants for you in all that we do. Because you have left us here as your ambassadors and as your people, as your light in this community to do those things, Father. You give us that honor. It's not, it's not something that you have to do or that you don't want to do. These are things that we should do because we love you. And because who and what you are and what you've done for us. And we just so much want to serve you back. And so, Father, I pray that you'll be with us this day as we break open your word of life. May it be words of life to each of us. And may it be sweet upon the tongue and in the belly as it motivates our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, if you want to turn to Matthew 25, that's where we're going to be. And uh, I have to be honest with you, uh, two weeks ago after we finished Second Peter, I was thinking immediately what I wanted to, to preach upon. And I was one of the passages that we'd been talking about really stirred me up and weighed heavy on my heart that week and that day. And that was in Mark 13. You remember we were talking about the three Gospels that where the disciples had came and asked the Master, asked Jesus, that they had seen the temple and they started talking about it. And Jesus said, well, there's not going to be one stone left upon another and some things are going to happen. And they said, well, when's that going to happen? When are you coming back? And when's the end of the age? And so he began to explain things. And the first part that he talked about was the signs that you're going to look for. He gave them some signs. And so we talked about those for two weeks. And in, during that two-week time period, we saw earthquakes and we saw uh, volcanoes and we saw the solar system and the different things that that's going to play a part in the earth melting with the fervent heat and the heavens passing away with the great noise on that day. But there was three chapters where he gave those in, and it's really two different sections. One section is about those signs and what's going to happen with the earth, but the other half of it is about us, the servants that he leaves behind uh, as he goes into the far country to, to make the place for us, as he said in John 14, that where I am, there you may be also. He said, I'm going to go away to this far country, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I want you to be ready for my return. I want you to be ready. And what he said in, Matthew, or in uh, Mark 13 really, really caught my attention in my heart because he said there that it's like a man going to the far country who left his house, his church, the family, the body of Christ. He left his house and gave authority to his servants. That's who we are. He gave authority to his servants to watch over the house and to each one to his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. So watch, therefore, that you do not know the day or the hour when the master of the house is coming back. That phrase, each to do his work, I gave my servants while I'm gone, each to do his work. That weighed heavy on my heart as I left. And the doorkeeper to keep watch and to teach. How do I motivate? How do I explain what the Lord is looking for to his servants that he's given authority to over his house to do his work. And so that bothered me. And I've been thinking, how do I, how do I go about it? Which scriptures? And I prayed and, and came back from the vacation. And Tuesday morning, I'd been thinking on, do we go to the spiritual gifts? Do we, each person has a spiritual gift. When you become a Christian, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it also says in Corinthians, he gives everyone a gift to be able to do the work within his church and everybody has a role and a place and and the body has all kinds of parts you've got head you've got hands you've got fingers you've got insides you've got toes 
Everybody has a work to do and every person in a congregation makes up the body. You've got to have your place. And I was thinking, do I start there? And Tuesday morning, I woke up at about 5 o'clock in the morning going, talents, talents, parable of the talents. So I woke up and I immediately rush in and that's if you're in Matthew 25 that's towards the end of the chapter there and I started looking at the parable of the talents and as I looked at the parable of the talents it says it's attached to what's before it as the chapter starts it's the ten virgins the kingdom of heaven is like this well that is a continuation of the chapter before there's no chapter break as you go through it Chapter 24 is our discourse that we've been talking about throughout Peter. The signs that he gave them, the question that they ask. And if you look at it, he says, he, he gives them what the signs are going to be. But then I want to begin in verse 35. And I want to read you from verse 35 through verse 13 of chapter 25. Just from the scriptures to start out. As to where, he said, this is where you start. You talked about the end of the age. And you talked about what's going to happen to the earth. I want to tell you, Jesus says in this section of scripture after that. He says, I want to tell you what I'm expecting of you. And from you. And what you can expect from me at that time as well. So let's begin in chapter 24 verse 35. And it says, heaven and the earth will pass away. That's what we talked about. But my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And as it was in the days of Noah, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they did not know that the flood was coming until they had taken them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. There will be two men who will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill and one will be taken and the other one left. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour that your Lord is coming. But know this. That if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to have been broken into. Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Who then, here we go, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has made ruler over his household to give food to them in their due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him a ruler over all of his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink with the drunkards and the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he's not aware of and he will cut him in two 
and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The kingdom of heaven then shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps. They went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps, but they took no oil with them. But the wise, they took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight a cry rang out and was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. And then all of those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and The foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered and said, No, lest there's not enough for us and you, but you go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour that the Son of Man is coming. That's what we're going to talk about today. That's some stuff, isn't it? That's not me talking. I want you to know that. Don't shoot the messenger. He gave the message, okay? So here we go. Let's start back in in 24 there at verse 35, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And no one knows the hour, not even the angels that are in heaven, but only my Father is the one who knows that day and the hour that it's going to come. And like it was in the days of Noah, just like it is now. People are going around about their life. They're doing everything. They're marrying. They're giving in marriage. They're doing all of the different things that life entails. And they're paying no attention to what's going on with the signs that's round about them. Just like when Noah was building the ark. And I'm going to show you these pictures of that ark of how big and humongous it is. You can see it from about a mile away as you're coming up. And you're thinking, that stood as a picture of God's grace as to what was going to happen one day, and you need to be heed to the call that I'm giving out through Noah as he's teaching while the ark is preparing so that your souls might be saved because it's a testimony of what's going to happen. We've got the same thing today as it was in the days of Noah. We've got something else made of wood. It's called a cross. The cross of our Lord today stands as the picture of grace until He comes back. And we need to heed the calling of that while we are awaiting. As it was then, so shall it be, He said. You're going to be going about your life. Everybody's going, And they didn't listen and they no one heard and reacted to the message until the flood came. And God had already shut the door to the ark And they couldn't get in. And as the floods revved up from the ground and from the the heavens, the windows opened. And I'm sure the cries went out. And probably like the ten virgins where the five came back and knocked on the door and said, Lord, let us in. 
He said, it's too late now. You've got to listen while you were in life and marrying and giving in marriage and doing the things that you were doing. That was the time to heed the call of the gospel. And the Lord then gives us a stern warning in that last half of verse 39 there. He says, so also is my coming going to be just like that was then. It's going to happen quickly. It's when it comes, two's going to be in the field and one's going to be taken and left that quick. Two's going to be grinding at the mill. One's gone, one's left. What just happened? You've got to be ready beforehand. You don't make plans after it happens. You've got to be ready now for it to come. So the Lord in verse 42 there gives us His warning. Watch, therefore, and be ready. Because you don't know what hour it is. If we knew what hour it was, we would sit on our buns until about two seconds before, wouldn't we? And then it would be on the knees, Lord, quickly, please. No. He said, you're a new creature in Christ. I've created you anew to be about my business. What did Jesus say when he was at 12? And can you imagine parents today that lost their child for like three days? They get a day's journey out and they go, oh, I thought you had Jesus. No, I thought you had Jesus. Where is he at? And they asked, no. They go back. They search. Three days, they find him in the temple. They said, why did you do this? Remember what he said? Amen. I must be about my father's business. That's what we are to be about. The father's business. Life is not about everything else. Yeah, it encompasses that. But what is your priority? Where is your mind at? Where is your thought process at? Jesus is going to say three times in about ten verses here, watch therefore, because you don't know. Watch and be ready because you don't know. In ten verses he tells us that. I think he means what he says and says what he means, don't you? I don't think it's a funny ha-ha and he's, and he's just trying to get you motivated to do something that he doesn't intend on fulfilling. I think that he's serious, and if he says something once, we need to react. But if he says something three times in about ten verses, do you think he means it? I think so. So I, this week I popped my ears open because he brought it back and said, I've left everyone to be about their work while I'm gone. I gave you the authority to do that. I gave you the right. I've told you to do it. And he says, watch and be ready. It's going to be just like that. Everybody's going to say peace and safety and it's okay and he's delaying. He's not going to come around and it's going to come when you don't expect it. So watch and be ready. And then he, he goes on to say this. How many, I'm, I don't want to know. Started to ask how many's ever been robbed. Uh, I have one time and I won't go into the story now. But by God's grace, my family and I were safe. So I know what he's talking about here. He says, you've got earthly goods. You've got a house and you've got things in there. You've got things that are important, right? If you knew what hour a thief was going to come and break into your house, say it's 2 o'clock tonight, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to bed at 10 and say your prayers and Lord, keep me... Keep me while I sleep tight and don't let the bed bugs bite and, and don't let the thief harm me. Let him take all he wants. Amen. Is that what you're going to say? No. If, if I know most of you, and I think I, I know most of you, 
It's going to be like this. Okay, I got a 12-gauge pump. And I've got some double-op buckshot in it. And I'm going to be awake at 2 o'clock. And I'm going to be watching. And I'm going to be ready. And if you want some, come on in. Am I, am I speaking for you or not? Okay. Yeah, a country boy can survive, can he? Oh, Hank. Well, anyway, what Jesus is trying to get across to us here is this. If you worry that much about worldly possessions that's here today and gone tomorrow, what about your soul? The most important possession that you have is what's going to be eternal. It's that which never dies and it's going to go someplace, right? So if you would be awake at 2 o'clock in the morning with a shotgun and double-lot buck and saying, come on in, why are you not ready and being prepared to guard your soul each day that the thief doesn't come and take it from you? That's what he's trying to say. Watch, therefore. You don't know the time that it's going to come. I know that you would do it for those other things. And then Jesus goes on to say this in verse 45. He gets a little deeper with that thought. Now he's going to tell us a little bit about what he expects. And what he's probably going to find when he comes back. He says this. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? I want to talk about that word wise here for a minute. That word wise is phronemos. Phronemos. Comes from diaphragm. And as I studied the origin of this word and what they would have understood it to mean back in this time period that he, he wrote this, it means the diaphragm is where the seat of the emotions are. That's the force that forces the lungs up and down. It's where everything on the inside comes out and perpetuates life. So he says a wise servant is one who understands what I'm telling you. That if you would have watched for the thief, you'd better watch for me. You're going to understand that and you are going to allow that to move within you and to make you be active and to have you to understand and listen and you will be watchful and ready for that. And that's what he says that this wise servant is. It's to be savvy, to recognize, and to do what he said. You know where it was first used at? Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is given a parable of The house that was built on sand and a house that was built upon a rock. And he said, the wise man built his house upon a what? The foolish man built his house upon the... Okay. Both of them knew that storms come, right? Both of them knew that rains come down, that the wind's going to blow. But one is wise because he sees, he understands, and he prepares... And he is ready. And he is watchful. A foolish person doesn't take the time or is too lazy to do those things. So he just says, I'm going to be okay. I'll watch for a storm to come. And at that time, I'll be ready and I'll start building. Too late. The storm came too quick. 
The wise man's house stood firm, but the foolish man's house did what? If you're singing to the little kids, it would be, went splat. <laughs> it'd be something like that, you know. So, there's a difference between who is wise and who is foolish. The wise is those who understand, who react, and do. The foolish hear and put it off. Say, I don't need to right now. And that's the difference in them. So, the wise man's house stood firm because he built it upon the rock. And your rock is Jesus Christ. Whenever they were out and in, in, uh, left the land of Egypt and crossed that Red Sea and went out there, you know where they got water from to water two million people and all their animals? A rock. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says that that rock that followed them around was Jesus Christ. You build your house upon a rock and you're going to get living water that runs out and keeps you well. But then Jesus says this in verse 45. Who's that faithful and wise servant? They do and they hear what it is. Blessed. Look at verse 46. If you are the wise servant, and all of us are servants. I mean, when, when you come to Christ, it says that you are now, he's your Lord, and that means master, and we are his servants. And so he said, the faithful and wise servants do what I say. And blessed, verse 46, is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find him so doing. Doing. That's an action word, isn't it? You hear and you do. You get involved. He says, assuredly. Oh, Jesus is making you a promise. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make you that servant a ruler over all of his goods. That's quite a promise, isn't it? For the, your Lord who created the heavens and the earth to say that if you are faithful servant to me now, I'll make you a ruler over my goods. That's quite a promise that he's making to us. But then we get to the next half of it, the evil servant, he says. And folks, it ain't me calling it that. I'm just reading the word here. He says, but that evil servant. You know, there's a lot of people today who've been misled by those who not only preach and teach, but also by media, by different things, that everything is all hunky-dory and, oh, you can say, yeah, I know Jesus, and, and just go about your merry way, and, oh, I was saved one time, and that's good enough for me, and Bobby McGee. No, that ain't quite the way it's going to roll because I'm reading the word right here on what it says. And he says, I'm going to have some servants who aren't going to do what I asked them to do. I've left each one to do their work. And listen to what he says. You've got to keep running the race and finishing the course and keeping the faith, as Paul said. You don't start the race and go, hmm, too tough for me. I'm going to set this one out and watch the end and be there to cross the line with them. No. You got to run the race. Finish the course. Keep the faith. Now listen to what he says now about these. That he calls an evil servant. He says this. That evil servant will say in his heart. That my master has delayed his coming. I don't really need to be about the business right now. He just gave me earlier in chapter 24, just before this, he gave me some signs that I'm supposed to be looking for. When this time's going to get close, 
If I keep my eye on those signs, I'll kind of know when it's about time, and then I'll get my act together. And then I'll be about the business and look like I've been there the whole time. That's what he says. Now, that's where repentance comes in. That's where you say, Lord, I'm, I'm ready now to be yours, and you're my, my God, my master, and I do want to be the wise and faithful servant. So 1 John 1, 9 says, you say that, you confess that, and he says, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of everything and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, and now you're going to walk in the light, but you've got to walk in the light with me. And he says, and I will cleanse you of all these things, and we're going to have fellowship together. But Jesus says this, that evil servant's going to say he's delayed, is coming. He's not going to be here. So I can beat, I can take advantage. The words means to beat and take advantage of someone. Like what on the Good Samaritan where the guy was on the road and they beat him and took his stuff and left him there. He said, I can, I can do that kind of thing or I can, I can be a party guy or whatever and it's okay because I'm going to look for these signs. But Jesus says this in verse 15, it's a warning. And it's a warning because he loves us. And he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And he says this in verse 50. He says, here's the problem with that theology that you got going on. The master of the servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him. And he will come at an hour that he wasn't aware of or ready for. And then it says the master will cut him in two and appoint, that's going to be an important word, appoint him his portion, his place, his inheritance with the hypocrites, and there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I've always hated that phrase. I'm going to tell you what, I had knee surgery back in about 96, and I thought I was tough. You see, they had shot that knee up real good before I left. And so that afternoon, I'd heard my dad always talk, oh yeah, I had a back surgery and I didn't take any pain medicine for it. And I said, well, like, like father, like son. I'm, I'm going to tough this out. I ain't hurting right now. I went to bed. Two o'clock in the morning, there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. That stuff wore off, and I knew what weeping and gnashing of teeth was. Honestly, she had to go, Sue had to go get a cold rag, and I bit on it like they did in the old westerns on an arrow or something. I bit on that thing and chewed on it, and she gave me the pain medicine, and then she went like, a half an hour later, it ain't kicked in, so she gives me a second dose. Well, about a half hour later, I was nighty-night. But for an hour, I was weeping and gnashing of teeth. It registered. You've been there, haven't you? Your shoulders and everything else. If you've been there, you don't want to go there again, do you? It's terrible. I don't want to go to a place where it's weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. But I want to tell you something about this term, weeping and gnashing of teeth. We always kind of relate it to pain right and that inflicted pain and what that's going to feel like for a long time weeping and gnashing of teeth goes even deeper than that it's used throughout the bible as another phrase too that goes along with punishment and it's this it's used through the psalms it's used in different places but i'll give you one that gives you a good example it's acts chapter 7 you see in Acts chapter 6, they had a problem and they had to put some people over the widows that weren't getting their portion. So they selected seven men to, to be about that business of the father. And Stephen was the first one there. And he was a godly man and full of the spirit, it says. And well, 
because he was doing such a good work, there were some jealous folks who didn't want the way of Christ to be going on. So they set him up just like they did Christ. They said he's, he's a blasphemer. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's dishonoring Caesar. He's doing all these kind of things. And so they brought him up before the court there of the high priest. And he said, explain yourself. And you know what he did in chapter 7? He spent about 52 verses scorching them with a blistering sermon on how they should have believed in Christ and not crucified Him. You know what their reaction was to the Word? It says, They were cut to the heart and they gnashed their teeth upon Him. You see, have you ever been so angry that you have to grit your teeth? Have you ever been so upset that you're like... They don't get out of my way. Sometimes you do that with road rage. Not that I've ever been there. But, yeah, driving to Kentucky and everything. Okay, you got to settle down. Don't grit your teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth also means that you missed out on a great opportunity. Here, it's going to mean that you thought you was going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the stuff that's been prepared for you forever. But the evil servant's going to find out that his service was unacceptable. And we're going to explain that in a minute by this cut in half piece. But it says that he was cut in half and the weeping and gnashing of teeth was this. He thought he was a servant. He sat in there maybe every, every week, but his heart wasn't in the right place. He never was converted. And so this weeping and gnashing of teeth also goes to mean with extreme frustration and anger when you have something that's precious like eternal life and you've thought that you had it in the bag and didn't really need to worry about it and then on that day when the books are open and the account is given and it says depart I don't know you take him where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth that means you're going to be not only going to pain, but also the opportunity that you missed because you knew better. And you knew what you really should have done to have had it, but you didn't. And that frustration and disappointment will turn to an anger with yourself and sometimes it says in Revelation as it pictures this out with God. For that decision that was rendered. So that's what he's trying to warn us to stay away from. I want you to be a wise and faithful servant. I don't want you to be the one who doesn't listen and doesn't do and goes about. And then the disciples there, they, they've come and, and they've looked and they're hearing all of this. And he says, the wise does, the, the evil doesn't. And then... He says this, you see, you thought things was, was, was good and you were on solid ground, but what did he tell the scribes and Pharisees? Do you remember what he told them? When he says, on the outside, you've painted up the tomb. It's all whitewashed, but inside it's still full of what? That's why this first parable of the ten virgins is going to be what's on the inside of you first. The second parable that I woke up going, the talents, the talents. 
That's the second half of your conversion. That's what you do outwardly. That's your service. The first parable though is you got to change the inside before you can go and change and do on the outside. So he's saying this, you were like whitewashed tombstones. You were making it look good. That's why he uses the next word. You will get your portion, your place with the others who were like you. And there's a term there. Do you see it? It's in verse 51, last verse of the second row. Hypocrites. That's like the whitewashed tombstone portraying something that's not. You know what, what the word came from? Play actors. You see, they, they didn't have TV. They didn't have DVDs or internet. So what they did was they had stages like this where people gathered together to watch the plays and watch the stage. And... They had these little sticks with faces on them. So if they were portraying a devil or something, they had this face on it. And as they portrayed that character, they put that up in front of their face so that it, you could recognize who they're trying to be. But the real persons behind that, this is their stage acting. That was the word for a hypocrite. It was an actor who plays a part on the stage. And so what Jesus is saying is that the wise and the faithful listen and they do. The foolish or the evil listen and pretend that they do. You know, I used to have a saying that we'd, whenever you don't want to do something but someone told you to do it, I'd go, let's don't and say we did. <laughs> that is what it's, uh, the Lord said of it, let's don't say we did and we're going to be all right. No, he said, I can see through that. My word is going to see through that. And he says, you're going to be, that kind of play acting is going to get you cut in half. What in the world does he mean by that? Boy, I had to do some searching on that one, let me tell you. Here's what it means. Dichotomeo means this. Dichotomy is like two things. And when it means to be cut in half, that word goes all the way back to Leviticus. Chapters 1 through chapters 10 when the offerings were given. And it tells how the priests were supposed to do each of the offerings. You have some that doesn't need it like the grain offering. And, but you get to the animal sacrifices. You had to cut the animal. And you had to divide the acceptable parts of the animal that goes upon the altar as a worship to God from the unacceptable parts that they were instructed to gather and carry up and take outside of the gates and burn outside the gates. So you've got as an offering or a service to God as a plea, you've got the acceptable parts of the, of the animal and you've got the unacceptable. And when he says this, there's wise and foolish. And as I cut up the offering of your life, was it acceptable or not? The wise was acceptable. It goes on the altar. I will make you ruler over the goods of my house. The unacceptable is taken without where there's the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so that's where this word goes back to. And you know, we started this year out. And I looked back. First of January as we came in, we said, this is the year of transformation. 
And we, we started with Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you be transformed, that you offer your bodies a living what? Yeah, isn't that what he's just talking about here? You offer your bodies a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable to God. And don't be conformed to this world. That's what Jesus is talking about here when he says that. He says, be transformed, not conformed. Be acceptable, not unacceptable in the sight, in, in the way you live. And then it says this, boy, I'm, I don't know if you guys can keep up with me because I'm just rolling and I'm not anywhere on my page right here. Okay, I'm, I'm three pages up. Anyway, I'm just going to keep going on. I'm not going to worry about it and try to find my place because I know what I want to say. So anyway, he says, You've, Therefore, watch and be ready because you don't know. And you want your offering to be wise and acceptable. You don't want your offering to be foolish, evil, unacceptable. And then he goes like this, that's why there's no chapter division here. The men just put that in there when they did it because that way it's like an address. If someone says, Matthew 25, you know where to go pick them up at to go give them a ride. You've got to have an address to go see what they're talking about. So they gave them chapters and verses, and that's like street and street number. And so you've got now chapter 25 just as a place marker, but it is a continuation of this last sermon of Jesus it's called the Olivet Discourse it's his last sermon before he leaves this planet and he says this is what I want you to know and he says I've told you about the signs and what to look for out here for the end of the age and my coming but now I want to tell you what I'm expecting out of you and what I'm expecting to see when I come. I'm expecting to see wise and foolish. But I'm telling you the difference between the two. So that you make a wise choice in it. And so then it goes on to chapter 25. And it begins this way. So then therefore we go to the ten virgins. And it says we had ten virgins who was waiting to, for the bridegroom to come. And some of them had oil in their lamps. And some of them didn't have oil in their lamps. And he said... They, while they waited and tarried, he was longer. He, the whole story is about the delay and are you ready during the delay? Are you going to keep watch? So they are waiting. They begin to slumber and sleep. The only way, just like the servants is one kind that's split in two like the offering is of the one animal, so are the virgins. Ten was a round whole number, so it's like the whole. He says... Five are going to be again wise and foolish. See, it reverts back to what he just told you about the status that's going to be when I come if I find you as wise or foolish. So we got five who are wise virgins and five who are foolish who are waiting on the bridegroom for the Lord Jesus Christ to come back. And the only way that you could tell the difference was not externally. They all looked the same. The only way that you could tell the difference of this first parable of what the kingdom of heaven is like was what was inside the vessel. Was there oil or was there no oil inside of that vessel? You see, it was an internal thing. They all looked the same outwardly. 
You couldn't tell them apart. Only the Lord knew the difference in what your life was like. And so as they were gathered there and slumbered, slept, oil always means like blessing and the Holy Spirit in the scriptures. So whenever you've got your vessel, which we are the vessel, you know, we are earthen vessels and the message of God has been given in earthen vessels, it says in Corinthians. So their vessel was filled with oil. Their life was converted like Romans 12 said. You've been transformed. Peter told us as we began that study back then in chapter 1 that you're supposed to add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness. If these things are in you, the oil, and abound to where you have light, then you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. You see, you're bearing the fruits of the Spirit. There's a whole other chapter in Galatians 5 on those too that goes along with that. The fruits of the Spirit, love, gentleness, kindness, meekness, all these things. The oil is in your life and inside brings the light outside. The other ones had the only thing that was different, they had no oil. The cry rings out at midnight way past when you're supposed to have a wedding procession in those days. They don't have street lights and everything else and cars. I mean, it was camels and a torch if you could keep it going. So you don't do it at midnight. But the bridegroom came at the hour that was not expected. And the call rang out. And he said, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Go out and present yourself to him they all went to trim their wicks light their light uh oh five have no oil inside their vessel they weren't really who they were supposed to be they were the pretenders and they said hey will you give us some of your oil can I ride along on your coattail and they said no because there's not enough for both of us. <laughs> In my case, that would sure be true. There's just enough for me. And I've got to have my light as I present to him. And said, go and get your own. They went to go get their own. But you know what? When the bridegrooms come, it's a little late. It says those who were ready and those who were prepared went in to the wedding celebration when the Lord comes back to get his bride, the church, and to take her for that great celebration. The Lord, with those who are ready, went in and started the celebration and the door was shut. Just like the ark. The other five came back. They've went and tried to garner some oil from those who buy and sell. And they come back and now they're outside the door saying, Lord, open up the door to us. We're, we're here. Party can start. And there was nothing, Lord, Lord, open the door. We're supposed to be there. And I'm surprised at the response of the Lord. What did he say? I didn't know you. You're, you're not part of this party. And I'm sure that that hurts him. And I think that's, and he says after that, he says, watch, therefore, because you don't know the hour that the Son of Man comes. You know, that's the fifth time in 60 verses that he said, watch, 
and prepare and be ready because you don't know the day or the hour that I come? I think he means it because he says, I'm going to shut the door. You got to do it beforehand. I believe and I hope and pray because as I look out at everyone, this is a group who is doers and who are here and who love to share in the communion with the Lord and to praise Him and to be a part of His worship. But you know, there are some folks that we know and love that aren't. We, we need to get them here and to be a part and to be busy. And I need to be busy about the Lord's work doing that. Because he says, I left you authority. Remember we started out from Mark 13 with that. That the master went off to a far country. And left his authority with those who he left behind as his servants of his house. He said in Matthew 28, 19, 18, 19. He said, all authority has been given to me into heaven and earth. Here's the authority I'm giving you. Go ye therefore. Into all the world. Teach my gospel to every creature. So that they're wise and not foolish. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. And the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then you continue to teach them. To do all of the things that I've commanded you. And lo I'll be with you always. Even unto the end of the age. What's he talking about here? The end of the age. You do what he said. You become a Christian. And you. Listen and you say, Lord, what else do you want me to know? Teach them to observe everything I've taught you. And lo, I'll be with you always. And that means when I come to get you for the wedding feast and the door closes, you're inside. You're not outside because I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And I'm going to take you in with me. So as the worship team comes on back and we, we close this one out, this is to be continued next week because next week, I want to go into the second half. That's talking about our inward transformation. Next week we talk about service. And that's good that we're going to have a meeting afterwards about teachers and people who want to serve and do some things because that's what we're going to be talking about. Lord works things out that way, doesn't he? And uh, so we're, we're going to talk about the talents and what the Lord has given you to be able to do. And, and I, I hope everybody will look forward to that. But... Uh, as they come up on stage, you know, the Lord's been talking and talking to us about paying attention. I heard a story one time about this old-time preacher. He wasn't like me. Well, I guess today I kind of was like him because he didn't believe in using notes or outlines. He thought you needed to go from the top of your head. And so he was preaching on uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 20 one time. And he said, he got to the part of, Behold, I come quickly. And he couldn't think of what else to say. And he didn't have notes, and he, he didn't have it. So he's like relying on inspiration. So he's, he says it again, Behold, I'm coming quickly. And still nothing, and he's starting to sweat a little bit. And he says it again, and the, the fourth time he's like, Lord, give me something to say. And he goes, Behold, I come quickly. And there was still nothing for him to say and he got to thinking maybe if I get demonstrative and I pound on the pulpit you know we'd like to do that sometimes he said maybe if if I pound on the pulpit the Lord will pop something into my head by doing that so the fifth time he goes behold I come quickly well 
You see, I hit it sideways because that guy, it says he hit it and it went off the stage into the lap of the people on the front row. He runs down to the lady that it landed on and he said, I'm so sorry for that. I apologize. I, I didn't mean for that to happen. And she said, why are you apologizing? You told me five times it was coming quickly. <laughs> Folks, the Lord's told us five times. I'm coming quickly. <laughs> Be ready. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your love that loves us so much that you say, I don't want you to be foolish like the five virgins. I don't want you to be foolish like the servant who goes where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and it was unacceptable. I want, I want converted folks who love me and follow me and, and it's a joy for them to be in the presence of the Lord and to do the work of the master and to guard his house. Father, you told us five times. Father, I pray that I get it. <laughs> And I got it now, but help me to stick with it throughout my life. Because each day is a struggle, and each day I got to put on some spiritual armor because the devil's out there slinging darts, and he's slinging mud, and he's got people working against me, and he's got things working against me, and he's got news media and outlets and things working against me that is trying to say that you are all wrong and that you're not real. So, Father, I know that you're real. But sometimes it's like the man that you said, it'll be done according to your faith. And the man said, I've got faith, but help me with my faith. Give us, Father, that injection of faith and trust that we need. Help us to be wise and faithful. Help us to be doers and not hearers only. And may it all be, though, Father, to glorify and honor you and your son and your spirit and your word that you have placed within us to share with everyone. May we be about the Father's business. And we thank you for your love and grace through Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Reigns from heaven above with wind.